Welcome to Ryan's Chats With, a podcast where we get to speak with leaders and game changers all around our community and all around our nation. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which means it's time for a special edition of the Ryan Chats With podcast, The Mental Health Check-In, with our friends over at Brooklyn. Well, hey, what's going on, guys? It's Ryan Smetzer. Welcome to a special edition of Ryan Chats With. I am so excited to dive into this month of content. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, and so we are providing the mental health check-in with our friends at Brook Lane. We want to break down the stigma that we can't have conversations about these subjects, and especially over the past year, it's so important for us to be able to dive in and have these conversations. So today, we are tackling depression, whether it's situational depression or major depression. We're covering all angles of it. And we are so excited to have on with us Miss Robin Morris from Brook Lane. Robin, great to have you here today. It is great to be here, Ryan. Thank you. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your role at Brook Lane. I am a psychotherapist and certified counseling trauma professional, which means I work with any and everyone that feels they need to, to talk to to someone. I also provide intake services for Brooklyn outpatient services. Gotcha. And you know, it is Mental Health Awareness Month and, and our intention this month is to be able to dive into some of those, you know, topics that some people may find uncomfortable or may find to be, you know, a little too intense for them. Um, and so, you know, our intention during these next couple of weeks is to tackle those topics because a lot of times we're having that realization, especially over the last year that we're affected by this. We're affected by sure. Absolutely. anxiety. And, you know, and, and they're starting to kind of come to light over the last several months. And so today we're talking about depression. And, you know, there are two larger types of depression, situational depression and major depression that we're tackling today. But yes. situational depression is, is something that, you know, a lot of people have kind of discovered that they have encountered over the last year. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about situational depression and what the difference is between that and the kind of clinical depression that, that folks, you know, deal with and treat on a daily basis. Sure. Situational depression can be looked at as sort of like an emotional adjustment to a situation. In other words, um, uh, you break up with your, your significant other, that creates an emotional adjustment, uh, loss of a job, uh, loss of a loved one to death, being diagnosed with a serious illness, things like that, that kind of like cause your emotional makeup to do a shift like, oh my God, this is a horrible thing. Uh, with that, then comes a low mood, um, feeling like, you have no one, nowhere to turn, and just an overall sense of sadness. That that would be the basic description, if you will, of each situational depression. Mm -hmm. Now, are there been have there been times where if somebody is uh, dealing with situational depression that they may not immediately catch it coming on? Like they might be, you know, in a spot where they're kind of almost in denial of situational depression. You know, that's the, the actual difference. One of the actual differences between major depressive disorder and situational depression, when you and that loved one break up, you immediately feel sad. When, you know, when someone dies, you immediately feel sad. When something happens to you that shifts you, 
emotionally, that's um, more immediate. You get that punch in the chest. You know what I mean? You want to you want to put your head under a pillow. You know what I mean? It's oh my god, what am I going to do? It's 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 an um, usually usually it's within a couple of days of the actual incident, whatever that incident is, you feel you know, you feel bad. You feel bad. And you feel bad for a couple of days. So I'm going to stumble over my words, but yeah, it's more immediate than major depression, that, that oncoming clinical type of thing. Gotcha. And say somebody is dealing with the loss of a loved one or a breakup or something that is in that immediate reaction, that immediate feeling of, of sadness, of, of that situational depression. What um, what's their step that they should take kind of Im immediately in that situation? Like when they're when they're dealing with situational depression, you know, what are the steps to kind of take as they're starting to deal with it themselves? Well, and what they really need to do is confront and then identify what's going on with them. You know, you if you wake up and you're crying when you get up in the morning, if you're crying before you go to sleep at night, if you're tossing and turning, you know, if you suddenly become, uh, your appetite is decreasing or increasing significantly, you feel like you just have no energy whatsoever. The first thing the person should think of or should consider is what's actually going on in my life right now. The moment, if they can put their finger on what's going on right now, that usually says, oh, okay. And it kind of validates the feeling. You can usually validate the fact that you feel badly. And, um, and once, once that happens, it really should help you feel a little better. Once you can say, oh yeah, um, I just broke up with him two days ago. I feel horrible, but yeah, that makes sense. You, you know what I mean? If you're on to your second week, you might want to come in and speak to a mental health professional who will then help you validate those feelings. Once you are really able to accept that you are feeling the way you feel because of what happened, you kind of like comment down and go, okay, I can ride this out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you kind of read my mind on the next question too. Um, you know, when you reach that step to go to a mental health professional to, you know, have those conversations about your situational depression, what are the steps in treatment? You know, whether it's, you know, therapy, sitting down and having those conversations with a professional, um, how does that work out? Well, usually, well, for, for, for us here at Brooklyn, um, a, a, an individual coming in would schedule an intake or an assessment. And then at the assessment is where the individual would actually find out if they are struggling with something more, you know, clinically serious, or is it you're having an emotional adjustment to a specific thing. For instance, if you know, I if I lose a loved one, I'm I'm struggling, I feel bad, I'm, you know, lack, have no energy, blah blah blah, and I think that I might need to talk to someone, schedule an appointment, have the intake. During the intake, one of the questions would be, have you experienced a loss recently? 
if you say in in or why are you here first and foremost okay once you say well my my mom died two weeks ago well there's the, the therapist is then cued you know what i mean oh okay you know how long have you been feeling this way i've been feeling this way for a couple of days or my boyfriend and i broke up six months ago how long have you been feeling this way i've been feeling this way for a couple of months well are you working yes i go to work every day i you know i i i still do this i still t attend to my daily needs you know things like that the therapist is then able to assess that, oh, this is more of a situational type thing. Yeah, do you find that if somebody is kind of loaded with a, a heavier schedule or maybe they're kind of, you know, providing almost their own distractions to their situational depression, do you find that the situational depression kind of almost becomes a long-term issue, even though at times it could be, you know, taken care of in a short-term basis? well it, it just depends on what the situation is you know what i mean absolutely you will hear uh individuals tell or, or even clinicians tell someone keep busy you know what i mean keep busy because if you keep busy you're actually working through your emotions are working through your busyness if that makes sense gotcha. if it's not situational the working through is not going to help mm -hmm you know, another difference. Yeah, yeah, which which leads us into major depression. And, right. you know, there there seems to be kind of significant differences between the two. Um, what are the signs of major depression? You know, kind of those initial signs. Obviously, with situational depression, there is that situation that is, you know, is that is the thing, right. Uh, but with major depression, it's a little bit of a deeper level. Uh, what are the kind of steps and what, what are the, the initial signs of major depression? Initial signs are, you know, just low mood and irritability that lasts over a significant period of time. I'm, I'm talking about two to three weeks of low, low mood, irritability, not wanting to be bothered with too much of anything or anybody. And this is every day for you know nearly every day nearly all day long which then would prevent somebody from like going to work or going to school or allowing themselves to be distracted if that makes sense yeah 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 absolutely yeah. And then, you know, as the person is kind of working through those steps or those initial signs of major depression, what is the the first step as far as, you know, kind of reaching out for, for treatment, for therapy for that? Usually it's the same thing. A lot of times with clinical depression, it's the person's loved ones that will notice it because of the length of time that they've been down under. You know, and that com that conversation, what's wrong with you? Unfortunately, for clinical depression, most clinically depressed people are accused of being lazy and unmotivated before it's recognized that they're actually depressed. Why don't you want to get up? Why are you laying around? Why haven't you taken a shower? Those kinds of things. And it's they're viewed as being negative by their loved ones, by maybe their friends, and 
it's the loved one that will maybe you need to go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, because that almost kind of seems like it, it, it weighs down even further when it turns into the. Oh, like, my goodness. Like, why are oh, like, all of right. right. Now, if a loved one is is noticing that, say, their loved one is, you know, in a spot where they're thinking, OK, it might be clinical depression. What are the, the better ways then to kind of approach it then? Hey, wh why are you just laying around? Why aren't you doing X, Y and Z? Well, the conversation has to come from an empathetic heart. Mm -hmm. You know, the conversation has to come from you're beginning to worry me. I'm, 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 I'm feeling like you might be depressed. And if you are, that's something that needs to be addressed. And because I care about you and don't want you to be in this dark space, maybe, you know, we, or maybe you should think about at least getting an assessment as opposed to, like you said, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get up? Why don't you take a shower? That type of thing. Gotcha. And then obviously with, with situational depression, you had kind of touched on typically that process is, you know, sitting down, having those conversations, you know, with a therapist, with a specialist. Um, but with major depression, um, what are the usual treatment processes? Um, you know, whether it's a, a therapy situation or medicine, what are the, what are the typical processes of, of treating major depression? <laughs> the the most one of the most significant um um symptoms that the therapist the clinician is you know is looking at is the person's willingness to or the if there's any suicidality if there's any homicidality if there's any self-harm okay you know in those situations they require immediate psychiatric evaluations in other words to have medication consults okay because there needs to be an energy uplift and that is what the medication is for to 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 uplift the mental energy so that they can actually do the work to process through if a person is in fact clinically depressed, all right, and there is or has been no suicide ideation, no self-harm, no homicide ideation of any kind, then, you know, the typical is uh, an, an hour, hour and a half therapy session, weekly or bi-weekly, to kind of confront and identify what triggers those mood, that mood. Gotcha. And, and I know that, um, you know, kind of going back to situational depression, you know, mm -hmm. I've seen uh, a lot of conversation about how that can be sometimes treated at home, whether it be through online means of, you know, videos, Absolutely. some of those different elements. List some of those options as far as like if somebody is, you know, in a spot, especially with, with COVID, with loss, with job loss, with relationship loss, all of those different things. Um, mm -hmm ways that they might be able to uh, you know at least make that attempt to treat at home before maybe they they go in and and reach out for for therapy well one of the things is increasing it and it, it, you know just work with me here increasing their happiness in their situation okay um many you know it's it's 
you're you're isolated at home. You've been home. You, you're not working. I'm talking about you know with the COVID thing. Well, increase activity in something and that you like. You know what I mean. If it's cooking, cook a little more. You know, if it's crafting, craft a little more. Work on you doing the things that make you feel good, you know, to the best that you can, isolated at home, exercise, you know what I mean? Eating health, healthy snacks rather than chips and popcorn, you know, all day long, you know, just doing jumping jacks in your bedroom, getting yourself motivated just for the, I'm going, I'm going to stress and reiterate when it's situational, the individual usually knows what it is that pushed them down. So in dealing with that reality, okay, that it's not the end of the world. It does feel like it. It's not the end of the world. And I'm responsible for bringing myself up out of this hole. If it's if it doesn't, if you are unable to bring yourself up, then you have to reach out. Simple as that. You have to reach out. Gotcha. And then, you know, and then from that point forward, they can they can do consultations and have those consultations, consultations. online. They can um, do depending on their spirituality. They can join, you know, sitting on a church service online. You know what I mean? They can consult with a spiritual advisor online. They can consult with a therapist online. If, if they don't want to step out, you know. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, Robin, thank you so much. I mean, these conversations, again, they're, they're, they're dropping that stigma that we can't have talks like this, that we can't have these kinds of conversations. And it's, it's more important than ever. And, you know, you are, you're making us better as a community. And we thank you for that, Robin. I hope so. And just remind your listeners that reach out to your friends and family every once in a while. Tell a joke. Make them laugh. Make them smile. Let them know everything is going to be okay. That's awesome. Robin Morris, thank you so much for everything. You're welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening, guys. If you want any resources on any of the topics discussed during our mental health check-in series, be sure to visit our station websites or brooklane.org.